This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hello and welcome to the 3D Pod. As always, I'm Maxwell Bogue with Joris Peels. And today we'll be talking about Formnex and ethics within 3D printing. So let's get into it. How are you doing, Joris? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm still actually recovering from Formnex. Like, and I wish I was kidding. <laughs> it's, it's, just a, it's just the most intense thing, man. My, <clears throat> you can hear my voice is short, right? Still. And, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, it's just, it was insane. This year was like uh, completely crazy. So what is Formnex? Oh, okay, I didn't yeah, I yeah. attend, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> Formax is a trade show, uh, and it's kind of uh, we have a, a number of big trade shows in 3D printing. Uh, one has traditionally been Rapid, and uh, one used to be Euromold, which is a large uh, molding trade show. And at one point, it was kind of split off like five, six years ago or something, and it became uh, a, a new entity uh, run by a new company, and that was Formnext. And Formnex is a trade show that. Uh, yeah, basically, is is definitely the largest one in Europe. It used to always be the largest one in Europe, and then Rapid was the biggest one in the States. And and recently, the last couple of years, it's become the definitive trade show for 3D printing. It had, I think, it was more than 35,000 people or something. There were 880 exhibitors, I think. So 880 3D printing companies that showed up there with a stand and everything. There are huge events every night, so there's lots of parties on the stands as well. There's like a party on the stand at the show until four in the morning. <laughs> God. <laughs> and, and then and usually, usually I get lost in the building, and then I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's like a really huge building, and then you get lost in it. But anyway, but it's like yeah, it's a definitive trade show. Uh, so there's there's the stands are bigger, the events are bigger. There's more executives there than other places. There's also more executives from Japan and Korea. Uh, and the states there, so it's it's really the the big meeting show, and it's a big deal show as well. So it's where you know your sales guy, you'll 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 do your big tie up, your big meetings, or your CEO is going to meet your your big Asian partner, that kind of thing, you know. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, I think it's four days or something like that. Uh, and it got thirty percent larger. It got thirty percent larger from last year to the to this year. So we had an exhibitor party. At one point, there was an exhibitor party. And that had 6,000 people in it. And already that's larger. Oh, <laughs> so the exhibitor party was already larger than, than a lot of the other 3D printing shows. Right? Uh, so it was crazy. But what were you about to ask? Sorry. No, what's, uh, I'm curious. What was the most interesting thing you saw? What was the least interesting thing you saw? <laughs> least interesting thing. Uh, the, no, I think, I think the most, well, the, if you're just talking about one particular like startup, I really, I, I had a roundup, I had a post on this as well. Uh, I really liked Evolve Additive. It's not a uh, technology that, that, that that's, uh, you know, you can't buy the machine at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, uh, it, it's, um, it's a really, it, it made really crisp, really well-defined, uh, really, really good-looking parts, like, like uh, very consumer-friendly parts made out of reg- regular uh, thermoplastics. Um, so that was, that was very exciting. Uh, I saw Aquasys. Which I thought was very exciting as well. They make support materials. So for, the weird thing is, support material is something you know that you've, you've played around with all these materials. Yeah. Uh, support. Uh, we have PVA, and that's about it. And PVA is terrible to work with. 
And these Aquasys guys, what they're doing is they're, they're, they're just a dedicated, it's actually a joint venture, I think. It's a dedicated company trying to develop supports. It's a bunch of extra Aquasys guys, and they're trying to make support materials for lots of different engineering plastics. And, and now they have one for just most of the ones you'd regularly use, so like ABS, PLA, and stuff, and they may be coming out with more advanced ones. And I thought that was just a hugely awesome you know, development for the industry, you know? Yeah. Um, the, the idea of just having a dedicated company that doesn't sell material, it doesn't care about material sales or that kind of thing. It doesn't, it's not an OEM who kind of does this as a small kind of side gig, you know? No, this is their main thing. This is what they do all the time, you know? And that to me really makes the design freedom of, of having supports because, well, you, you know, a lot of people don't design the supports. I would always recommend if somebody industrializes a product, design it so it doesn't need supports because it's always going to be cheaper. But if you can't, then your window of opportunity of designing parts really opens with supports. And the problem is that, that, that now you have breakaway supports, which you have to do by hand, which are really expensive. Um, uh, but with them, they're developing water-soluble support. So you could just like put it in a water bath or kind of a washing machine type of thing, and then boom, the part's clean. So that's good for consumers, I think, people at home. But I think that's going to be awesome as well for some industrial stuff as well. Uh, I really like that. Um, generally, I really like the, just all the post-processing equipment. Uh, there's new offerings from Rüstler. Uh, there's like a machine you could put a complete SLS build in, in one machine, right? So you put the entire batch, the entire cake, right? Which is like SLS is sintering or powder bed fusion. Got a lot of built-up powder, and then the laser selectively hardens per layer what is going to be your model. And the other material stays behind as a support, right? Yep. And what you end up having is a big cake. And what you usually end up doing is a guy has to fish out all the models, blow them clean, and then maybe even like suck away some material, brush away some material, identify the part, and then um, uh, and then put it in the right place and take it to the next station. This is really expensive. Um, so support is maybe like, or just support removal and post-processing is like maybe a third of your part cost, let's say. It's a kind of, you know, rule of thumb kind of thing so things like Rissler is, is a Germany German company that does uh, a lot of uh, uh, post-processing stuff finishing and uh, so they have a machine you put the entire cake in right then it depowders it and then also kind of uh, mechanically finishes it and then it comes out with one machine whereas the your powder comes out in another bay in the same machine now that to me is really hugely exciting there's another solution Pulvermeister <laughs> Which is like a pretty great name. <laughs> Pulvermeister. Uh, uh, Pulvermeister, yeah. Pulver, like duster, powder. Powder master. <laughs> it's, it's great. <laughs> and, 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 and they wear white coats, like it's like it's like their keels or something. Um but um and uh so that's another solution. There was another solution, like a chemical based solution, uh that did very more or less the same thing, but more in a line kind of setup, dimension who has coloring solutions, also had an inline uh, kind of post-finishing solution to get you a better thing. So the idea that they're investing in, in that kind of... See, everybody's nice that everybody's jumping up and down saying, let's make products, you know? Yeah. But 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 if a third of it is going to be part cost, we're going to have a guy in the States or in Europe, you know, spend a couple of minutes per part on that, it's just going to be cost prohibitive. And the development of this kind of post-processing equipment, that's why it's kind of a... I always see it as a bellwether to our industry. If these guys are doing well, then it means that actual people, you nobody's going to, a lot of people will buy like a SLS machine to put it in a corner and look cool, but you're not going to buy like a post-processing machine. You know? <laughs> this means that we're real, you know, this means people are somewhere making tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of things, you know?
Um, yeah, that was really good. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting developments generally. I mean, if you're looking like there was a lot of Chinese laser sintering and metal laser sintering companies uh, that were there, and some of them looked a little bit like their marketing was really hokey. Uh, but I happen to know, like, one of them, they're called, like, BLT, which I don't think is a great name for... No, it's not. Uh, anything. <laughs> anything that isn't uh, but, but, um, but they, for example, I know they've been around for, for a long time. I know they make hundreds of thousands of, of, of spinal cages, for example. And so then you're seeing, uh, you know, now, okay, it's not, you know, they need to get a lot of stuff right still. They may not have patent cover in all cases. Uh, I'm not talking to these guys specifically, just generally. Uh, but... You know, the, the sign that these guys are innovating and these guys are bringing a product, a really complex product to market is is very, very exciting, I think. And the fact that they're playing in the big leagues, not like, you know, not a $100 3D printer, but they're they're playing in the big leagues. More growth in high, uh, also in some Chinese players, like serious Chinese players. Like you see, like, they were very well-capitalized companies and they had really good ideas. And, and, and yeah, some of them I know they're doing, like, you know, dozens of systems only in China or more. Uh, so the resurgence of Chinese in the high-tech market I thought was very interesting to see. And then also just, like, high-temperature printers is something I really am excited about. Peak and all that kind of stuff. We talked about that before. I'm really super psyched with that, uh, seeing, like, some developments there. Like, one of my favorite things was, like, 3D GANs. Like, you know these high-temperature printers, right? They have to, uh, they have like a, in order to do, like, PEAK, right, or PEAKS, or P-A-K, uh, that's a family of high-temperature materials, they have to have, like, a nozzle temperature of, let's say, 380 or 420, and they have to have, like, a bed or chamber temperature, like, a between, let's say, 100 to 200, depends, right? Yeah. Um, and then, they, they, then you have to heat up this big printer, right? And these things are getting bigger all the time, and you have to heat up the printer. So at one point, yeah, you're going to have to require a lot of power. You're going to have to go for three phase, you know? the big plugs uh and it's going to take you in half an hour an hour you know uh what the guys at 3d gans did which is a polish uh, high temperature 3d printing company they made essentially a pillar underneath their build platform because you're not going to use the space underneath your build platform either right so they made like <laughs> kind of a little metal enclosure a pillar so that the printer would heat up more quicker and it would it wouldn't require as much energy <laughs> oh. That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is that? And they were like, yeah, so it heats up quicker. And I was like, oh. <laughs> that made me like literally giddy. It was like literally like, wow. <laughs> How did nobody come up with that <laughs> earlier? You know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, uh, so more high temperature offerings generally. Uh, lots of software, like tons of software companies. Like, oh. uh, all this stuff that, that, that you didn't know what it was for or something. It was like everything was an end-to-end solution for managing your 3D printing supply chain or whatever. But then, and then if you asked them, there was like, it was a completely different products. Like there were mess products or something. There were like file handling. There were like optimization uh, products that would help you find your 3D printed files or whatever, or see if they're printable uh, products that manage everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it was that that's, on the one hand, that's healthy. Uh, on the other hand, I don't know exactly how many of these guys are going to survive because it's like, you know, uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, yeah. it's going to be a really crowded. That's market. always an interesting show in a crowded market coming our ways. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, exactly. exactly. So, so there was a lot of money there as well. There's a lot of money being spent. I just joke like years ago, what I would do is I'd take people around, like investors, if somebody would want to invest in the space. Uh, what I do is I said, look, you know, you can we can do this over the phone, or I can come to you and stuff. But how about you come to Forum Next, and I'll take you around the show, right? I'll guide you around the show, and then we can see everything, you know? 
then I can show you this is a hearing aid part. This is the machine that makes it. And this is, you know, right. So I take, I'd say, okay, I'd ask him a couple of quiz questions. One of them was like, who's making money at forum next or who's, Oh God, I ruined it. Right. All right. Who's making money in 3D printing? Right? I'm an idiot. Anyway, so who's making money in 3d printing? We take them around all the time. And then the end of it is like forum next. Yeah. <laughs> forum next guys that are making money in 3d printing. Sorry, I can't tell jokes, but <laughs> but anyway, so, so so that you know it was really bullish in the sense uh, the show was really kind of like you know uh, kind of a lot of optimistic people putting in a lot of optimistic money and really investing in, the, in this technology, so that's really good. And I'm really going to be really curious to see what next year will bring and, and uh, if we're going to get some horrible recession or, or I don't know what. <laughs> well, we'll see. No. Speaking of money, then you know. And, yeah. and- how yeah. it plays into the universe uh we should oh. touch upon our main subject today which is ethics oh, yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> uh, ethics now that you've um, seen all and informed us of the newest and the greatest that's coming along yeah, yeah. that's actually commercially available um <laughs> we can touch on what uh, what role does ethics play within the 3d print space and what responsibilities do we have uh in this industry to abide by those i mean there's obviously some very big ones such as justice of access and whether or not for example for medical parts people getting access to those um the human ethics and of course as always the bad things that people can do with 3d printing so uh, but should we start with access people yeah, who sure, sure, sure. gain access so currently uh in limited quantities people are 3d printing you know, implants and things of that nature, but these do tend to be for extremely wealthy individuals or institutions that can afford such things. At what point is that wrong? Because it's not being accessible for everyone. It's only accessible for a small percentage of the population. No, I mean, I think the easy argument there is, of course, the cell phone argument that used to be for the CEOs and then it was just for the regular stiffs at work. And now it's for everyone. You can buy a cell phone for 15 bucks, you know? So that's always kind of the trickle down technology, uh, <laughs> the trickle down argument for technology. Uh, <laughs> time time um, makes it cheaper as a result of yeah, more time usage. and the volume. Yeah. yeah, time makes it cheaper, but also like somebody has to buy the first one. The first one's going to be expensive. I mean, I think I think it's interestingly the medical devices that work right now are actually cheaper than the uh, than the ones that it re- they replace, right? Right. So so. You know, and in that sense, it's just going to make it cheaper for the medical system, for the insurance, for the hospital, for everyone. Like uh, an implant might have been like, I don't know, a couple of grand before, and it's going to be replaced by a printed one that could be a couple hundred dollars. So so in that sense, it's cheaper. But just, you know, if we just took the example, yeah, I, uh, I generally believe that, that, you know, some technologies are technologies are always going to be for the few. Yeah, um, and then over but time, I think it's it for the masses. Yeah, exactly. And But... You know, and then then where I do think it becomes really horrible is if if you would have a cancer drug or something that you would price in the tens of thousands uh, for a decade or two decades uh, because you're you can patent it. Then yeah, <laughs> then, then you're clearly uh, yeah exactly. And then you're clearly then there's a number of people that are dying and that are going to die. The 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 but we don't at this point really have stuff that's like super expensive uh, compared to like all the alternatives. Like the hearing aids are also kind of cheaper, right? They don't even sell them as like necessarily a premium at this point. Uh, the in-the-ear ones are a little bit more expensive than the standard ones, but 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 for the producer and all these guys, it's cheaper. The 
uh, you know, the, all the other, all the products that work are actually cheaper than the ones they replace, uh, or the ones that are printed in the millions. So on the ethical front, I don't think we have like a lot of problems in that sense. No, I think you're, you're right in that aspect of it, that, uh, time, time will make it more accessible, but also that part of the reason for doing this is to reduce the cost of these parts overall. So, which will make it more accessible in the long run. What I do think is, 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 is there could be some kind of digital divide thing that we're creating, that it could be an ethical problem for us, and that we're, we're, we, let's say everybody wants to make products that are um, CO2-free in Europe or wherever, close to the consumer, then we are going to maybe you know, give all our kids and all of our factories access to 3D printers, and then we're not going to extend that same thing to Africa or another place. So I do think that's worrying. Yeah, and it's also, um, as as this goes along, awareness. If people aren't aware that this is even an option, uh, just because of the yeah. lack of information, really, uh, then they don't know that they could do this as an alternative that might be a lower-cost solution. No. Mm. No. no, but I, and I do think that we could be, you know, kind of precluding people from inventing the future or just because they were born in the wrong place and kind right. of, like, instead of this narrowing the spread of technology... Um, you know, then we could still always keep that that kind of divide. I don't, I don't think that's that's very positive to be to, to be honest. You know, I don't see how we can ameliorate that besides like giving our old printers away or something like that. Yeah, the broken right. ones. So I don't see it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'm not entirely yeah. sure that's an idea. Uh, um, but yeah, I don't know. Or we can give them all 3D printing pens, right? <laughs> could we could? Then they can fix everything. And making their own yeah. printer. Yeah. <laughs> right, what about human enhancement? Um, I know this is still a bit further off, although there are some examples yeah. of how it's been used, like the Nike shoes that helped um, that yeah. runner make the break the two-hour mark in the marathon. Yeah, is it yeah. is it okay that you know um, that we're using technology in this way to to enhance our abilities? And I mean, just in the sports arena, is that fair? Because on the one hand, if we're talking about basketball, well. You know, probably everyone who plays professional basketball has potential access to this kinds of technology because they're professional players. But in order to become a professional player, or if you're not a professional player playing maybe on the college level or even in the high school level, and one school happens to have the resources to afford shoes and materials that allow you to jump higher and run faster, uh, is that fair? In in the larger scheme of, of playing like the game, so to speak, or the ethics of it. Oh no, there, there's a couple of things. I mean, in the game, it's up to the sports body to sure, make whatever to rules they think, uh, whatever they think is okay. You know, uh, whatever technological advance. Remember those like the the swimming suits, right? That made swimmers more aerodynamic, and those swimmers yeah. that use them were winning. And a while, then everybody used these swimming suits, and then after a while, they were forbidden. Yeah, that was up to that's up to whoever governs swimming to decide. Uh, whatever they think is the thing, and and then, but I do think it's an interesting thing that you point out that even in sports, which you kind of think is a great equalizer, you know, it, it isn't right. There's right. a reason that Canada and Norway and Sweden and the Netherlands disproportionately win a lot of medals. Uh, that's because we're wealthier. We can afford to spend a lot of money on these sport things. Um, yeah, so I do think there is going to be you know, in any kind of sport, if you spread technology, if you mix in technology with it, you're going to make it more difficult for people that have less to compete at the same level. Uh, so fundamentally, you're making it uh, uh, more a game for the rich. Uh, so I do think that fundamentally that would be unethical. 
What if you go beyond the sports example, but go into more like, I mean, it's not quite there in terms of being able to like replace bones and stuff like that that are stronger, better, faster, but it's not inconceivable in the future that we could arrive at a situation where you could augment or enhance your body um, through the usage of technology that's resulted from 3D printing. yeah, you could, for example, you could, for example, be using a titanium implant, lengthen your tread or your foot, right? Or change your the setup of your Achilles to jump mm-hmm. higher, for example. That's my favorite example because I do think that actually could be possible. And then I could jump higher than you, right? Right, right. <laughs> and then just, uh, I dunk over your head or whatever, you know. Uh, <laughs> or yeah, on uh, military yeah. applications, you know, if, if you have yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, robots. Uh, super duper robots, um, but um, yeah, I think I think generally, I think I think in that case, it's um, what well, we should be. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, th- I think that, 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 that to me is the same thing. I mean, it's the same thing as as as, as all these things. I mean, if you're wealthier, you get more th- rolls of the dice, right? Right. You get more of a chance to, or more tries, if you will, to be successful. And anything that increases that. Is going to be detrimental to the poor person. Are going to make them work harder for the same uh, achievement, and that's never going to be good. I don't think. And the human enhancement things as is, is a, is a general rule. I mean, we're already seeing kind of like legacy uh, babies, right? So you get born, you 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 have richer parents, right? And they also yep. get you into Harvard, even yep. though maybe you're not deserving. But you already went to the better schools as well, right? <laughs> so you go to the better schools, you get the better home life, you get the better all the stuff you want all the stuff to help you and the tutors and all this other stuff. And then they help kind of get you in as a legacy kid anyway. Right. So that's, that's kind of stacking the, the world against these kind of people, but we don't want like kind of genetic legacy people as well, you know, uh, or we don't want like, you know, modified people to, 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 you know, only the rich live longer. That, that's where I think it starts to go completely off the rails. Or uh, for, for, for the effort babies. Yeah. Christmas yeah. babies that live forever, that kind of stuff. I mean, uh, and then especially that technology, like you said before, would be only accessible to the wealthy or only accessible to the wealthy Swiss people or something. Then I think that's going to be really, really worrying. I mean, I'm really worried about the scenario where, you know, Mark Zuckerberg remains the, I've talked about this before, where Mark Zuckerberg remains the eldest peer person in the world forever, you know? Right, because uh, he has the resources yeah, to apply. He uses the, the yeah. resources. He just keeps, you know, the whole idea of that and compound interest are super terrifying. <laughs> right? 3D print himself <laughs> a new like, body, they're going to remove his head and put it on the new body. Um, yeah, exactly. Like, but now it's like, you know, it's like, you know, it's like Mrs. Jane Smith is the oldest person in the world, like three weeks later, boop, she's gone, you know? Yeah. But then it's all of a sudden, like, yep, Mark Zuckerberg still the oldest person in the world. <laughs> Going on five years. <laughs> You know, he must be eating healthy. Um, you know, <laughs> so, so, so I think then we need to, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And then I think we're really going to be that to me is a very worrying scenario. Mm. Uh, any kind of design your own human kind of stuff, or any kind of like uh, that kind of stuff is is really, yeah, it's just frankly terrifying. Right. It's, it's a whole can of worms. It's a Pandora's yeah, box. Because yeah, totally. on the one hand, you you're making the argument of like if we can do this to help people that have genetic diseases or people that have yeah. you know pre-existing conditions and hey we can print up new legs yeah. because your legs uh, have some yeah. issue and therefore we can solve that issue you know that sounds great and it is great on that side of it but then you're mm-hmm. right on the other side the flip side if it's someone who just wants to live longer or do something for a longer period of time 
at what point does it cross over? If it's a recreational climber who just wants to climb more and wants new kneecaps, that seems, you know, okay. But if it's, if it's shooting into life extension and things of that nature, at what point does it become a bad play? And yeah. yeah. But I think, I think there's also like, there's also another ethical problem there. And that's the fact that you, you're familiar with this Harrison Bergeron story. No, it's just Kurt Vonnegut. It's a Kurt Vonnegut story where essentially they kind of like they handicap everyone. They want everyone to be super equal. Right. Uh, so all the ballerinas are just handicapped. So if you're a better ballerina than me, you get weights around your legs. Right. Okay. Yeah. So everyone's like average. It's kind of like a sci-fi Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's average. Or everyone's like, so everyone's completely average. Uh, and then, and then, uh, and, and then keep themselves. So, so like if you're really intelligent, you'll have a really annoying noise every once in a while to keep you stupid or something like that, or to get you distracted. And it's like complete equality. Right. <laughs> it's, it's horrible. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's actually really entertaining. I think it's a book or it's not a big book. I don't think I remember, but um, anyway, to a world where no innovation and no advancement happens as a result on the storyline? Kind of. I mean, uh, kind of, well, I, don't wanna, I don't wanna give it away, but, but well, just, just generally, generally, yeah, the idea is that's absolute equality. Um, and in a funny way, um, a worrying, ethically worrying thing for me is the fact that we all seem to have the same information, access to the same information, mm-hmm. right? And all these people want the same things and want the same uh, goals, right? We all think we're inventing the same thing, but we so we're actually now via social media and via all getting connected to the same information. We actually desire to be all the same around the world as well, you know. Yeah. And we have the same heroes and the same kind of thing. So it's kind of this Harrison Bergeron with a twist kind of world, where we all desire to 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 have the same kind of physical characters and stuff. And there's a reason why we're all different. There's a really good strategy to all of us being completely different. That makes the entire species much more survival and adaptable and better, you know. And I think that, that if everybody wants psychologically the same things and to look the same and to have the same jobs and to have the same things and to have the same look, you know, um, right. I think that's, and that's then a it, huge yeah, strange universe, which is uh, not necessarily a great one. Yeah, and then we do get into that whole not uh, not a great because, one. Yeah, uh, and and. Uh, look at a, a high pressure environment. Like I, I was in South Korea, and that's a very high pressure environment to grow up in. And also, it's one of the world's highest suicide rates. Uh, um, and, uh, and 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 it's a super pressure cooker type environment where everyone essentially wants to belong, right? And everybody essentially wants to has the same aspirations. And what what I was saying in a neighborhood where at one point where it was like kind of like a plastic surgery neighborhood. I think as in there were like seven story plastic surgery buildings and plastic surgery clinics, like tons of them, you know? Yeah. It was like the main industry of that one subway stop area. And there was like lots of people actually in the hotels around me that were just like there to be away while they recovered and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I saw this, this industry kind of like be around me and I thought these people are all trying to be the same things, right? And the worrying thing to me was that the, a lot of the models I was seeing and stuff were all the same. So I figured that at one point you're going to be able to tell when somebody got plastic surgery about <laughs> depending on what face they have, you know? Because oh, that's a trendy well, mid 2000. Oh, yeah, it's, it's A32. Oh, they got A32 <laughs> for the face. Yeah. 
<laughs> but you could see though how 3D printing could be involved in this, and the you know for oh, bone structure be. and stuff like that. Yeah, for all these implants. So. so the worrying thing is, if we all really do want to be the same, we have a technology that can accomplish that. Um, we have a technology that can really radically, like you know, all the crazy shit they're doing with plastic surgery now. Like we can really completely radically change your face if we take the things that people have learned from CMF, which is a cranio, uh, cranial maxillofacial surgery to reconstruct a face. Let's so say you have a horrific accident, fell, um, you know, part of your head is gone. Uh, those kind of surgeries, the, the the 3D prints, the unique 3D prints they make to repair them, these kind of things could be used to completely change someone. It's not like, oh, I have a little bump in my nose. I'd like it straightened. No, no, no. <laughs> we can you know, scrape your face, face off. And then, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we can start that. And I think that kind of, yeah, that's a scary bit of our technology about making, you know, if we give it everyone a 3D printer and a 3D printing pen or whatever to make everything they want, what, what happens if they all make the same things? Right? That, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then we haven't, we haven't truly advanced ourselves as a species. We've just... No, no, we go hair loss problem. Like, yeah, no, we focus on the wrong thing, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. So that to me is a hugely ethical problem as well. If we take this technology and it only uses it to make the world like more of the same. I mean, then um, there's, there's the obvious play, right? Of of you know bad yeah. things that can be made with 3D printers, guns, drugs, and weapons, yeah. which can also be good things. But it's it's all you know where you stand, so to speak. I mean, on the drugs front. Obviously, for yep. medical applications, it, it would be great yep. if you agreed for the drugs. But at the same time, that means that you open up the possibility for illegal drug manufacturing to happen um, yeah. on a three D, you know, on a three D on a chemical three D printer. Let's call it that. Also, puts yeah, in a yeah. pill does everything you need and makes it pure synthetic. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, it's that, not that yeah. far off to be quite honest. Yeah. I mean, no, that's terrifying. I mean, I did a post a couple weeks ago about like 3D printing pills and stuff, and and the types of things you can apply to that were incredible. But the type of things that we could apply if somebody also like imagine like unsupervised biohacking stuff, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, just, just like somebody saying like you know you know how you know there's a lot of medical fiction things, the stories going around right nowadays. Uh, a lot of things uh, that are just simply untrue that are believed by a large group of people. Like, imagine if people start doing that at home and start believing that, you know, you need 10 million grams of vitamin C or something injected into your eyeball. You know what I mean? It's, it's right. like yeah. the, the, the biohacking, I think, is really exciting. We should do a separate thing about this, I think, because I think it's super exciting, the idea of biohacking, but also the idea of just unsupervised, this just Enhancing. leading to trends and yeah, right. people just doing people whatever. Believing it, uh, but not actually having medical evidence that it actually does. Yeah, yeah actually. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, vitamin C is good for a cold, so I'll just have it print up a yeah. pill that, as you say, 10,000, you know, grams of vitamin C, and then it turns out, oh, look at that, it kills you. Um, sure. you know, the same way that if that, you drink too much water, yeah. you could actually cause a reverse in osmosis yeah. and kill yourself. And it's, I mean, yeah, it's... You know, a, epileptic seizure after seven liters of water, man. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's hard to do it. It's hard to do it, but yeah, you can cool. do it if you are motivated enough to do it. <laughs> yeah. Everything that's poisonous it depends on the dose, right, or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, even good things yeah. become bad things if you have too much of them. Uh, yeah, so I think that's that's a scary thing. I think also weapons is a scary I mean, one as well, We've obviously. talked about weapons in the past, obviously, especially like... Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, it can go, you know... Even yeah. doing knives and, and stuff like that is yeah. all possible right now. You know, right now you can make yeah. a gun. Right now stuff. You can make a knife. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, counterfeit stuff as well. That's a good um, they're, they're already making these things on the ATMs, you know, the ATM, you have these little screen, these little protector things on the, on the cash machines yeah. to, to make sure that the they're, they're already making skimmers. Oh yeah. But skimmers have been around for a while. So for anyone who doesn't know, these are devices that you attach on top of an ATM machine. Um, it looks like it's part of the ATM machine. So you wouldn't recognize that it's just recording the information and then someone comes along and then takes takes the device off of it and then they have all of the barcode or the scans and the passcode numbers and stuff like that and you wouldn't necessarily be able to notice the fact that that happened um so yeah if you can the minute you can start 3d printing these things the skimmers rather than what they used to have to do with machine them and stuff like that it, it does make it a lot easier to make these devices for that purpose nefarious purposes um and that's obviously a negative impact in that you're someone stealing uh, credit card information and account information. Yeah. Totally, dude. That's like, uh, and also just like the, the idea of counterfeit generally, right? Uh, the, the, just the idea of like totally counterfeiting a certain technology or counterfeiting a, um, a particular approach uh, or anything anything that could be counterfeit will be counterfeited, right? I mean, I'm not talking about like, you know, Louis Vuitton stuff or anything, but just everything, right? <laughs> but you could. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm very copy left, you know. I'm very much like let people invent and let people do cool stuff, you know. Uh, the only reason I'm 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 drawing your character instead of my own character, which I think is that they're the most afraid of that we'll make our own characters, right? <laughs> that we won't have Mickey anymore to worship or Superman. We'll make our own Superman, you know. So I, I, I'm very much into that, you know. I believe I'm in, in 3D printing. I believe that that's the kind of thing we can do, but. Yeah, I just I just don't want to live in a world where everything is counterfeit, like like I don't know the the tap in my bathtub or my lamp or you know right where it becomes like super easy to counterfeit know. everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, where yeah you can't even know. There's no possibility of, of repairing it yeah. or knowing it knowing it fails that it's or doesn't do what it was supposed to do yeah. and it's too late. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you'll probably even call the company like, your thing broke, man. I want a new one. They're like, uh, we didn't even make it. <laughs> I, I get that call. <laughs> that call happens yeah? to me. Oh, yeah. really? Seriously? Yeah, from knockoff uh, knock pens. People call and they're like, your product broke. <laughs> and we're like, oh, show us how it broke. Can you send a photo? And they send a photo. We're like, yeah, that's yeah. not our product. You need to, <laughs> you need to go to someone else. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, but imagine that for everything, right? That would uh, not be um, great, I don't think. And um, yeah, I also think, like, I also worry that the yeah, we're just going to unnecessarily print things out. We just make stuff that we don't need. Right, which we do all. The, just yeah. like, yeah, we do. We don't we don't recycle it because you know it doesn't work. Yeah, I don't like that either. <clears throat> is there a board? Is there a, an ethics board centered around three D printing? I know there are ethics boards around medical, and there are ethics boards around other things, but um, I'm wondering oh, if there's an actual. No, we should do one. We should start we should, an ethics impress somebody. Uh, yeah, we should start a 3D printing ethics board. I think that's a good idea. We just need to get a couple uh, uh, ethics PhDs and, you know. <laughs> we need an actual ethics person. I mean, I think this episode has shown us both. That Our lack would of them. <laughs> we would require an actual ethics person. Uh, and a psychopath, which in 3D printing is super easy to find. So... Uh, <laughs> But I think I think you really need a subject matter expert, and that to me is a, is a psychopath or a pathological liar. Right. Uh, 
And uh, for those, I know we have in spades, so that's no problem. But uh, an ethicist would be handy, yes. I think before we get into the really hairy stuff, <laughs> before it gets you know essential, you know, if you copy a Yoda, whatever, right? But 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 I think I think I think I think right. But if you're copying yeah, a finger, like a fingerprint scan, so to yeah. speak, or uh, like if you're able to actually print fingerprints at high yeah. enough detail and then put a glove on that'll like copy it, and then you could. You could hack the all of the bio um, authentication stuff, or maybe yeah. even retinal hypothetically, pattern. For hypo- retinal. Hypothetically, on the fingerprint thing, that could be possible. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could use like a flexible <laughs> material, and then, <laughs> and then because cameras have gotten so much better, I know that that's a, a growing concern when you do uh, uh, when people yeah. take pictures and then their hands up that you can actually copy. Uh, uh, fingerprint patterns now off of, you can tell yeah. fingerprint patterns from photographs i didn't know so, that actually but yeah. keys yeah keys you can do <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah keys you can do but you can also um on the especially on like the newer you know like the, the newest pixel and the newest iphone and stuff like that yeah. you can you can discern uh, fingerprint patterns out of uh out of those photos um so it's it's conceivable wow. to print fake fingerprints essentially yeah use them for things because some yeah. countries actually that's how you use the atm so to speak yeah, vote yeah or vote or whatever yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So, okay. oh that's kind of scary all right as, but, as um, these technologies then people are going to find more inventive ways to use them for bad and the guns are always the the easy one that we always point to and say like oh it's a gun yeah. which is you know a dangerous thing on yeah. unregulated yeah. guns on that nature Oh. Yeah, but it's not like you know whatever. I think uh, Michael wrote an article a couple of days ago on, on this magical 3D printer gun scanning technology, and his his whole point was there's so many guns already. <laughs> right. You know, well, I think it's, you, it's, a, need to <laughs> it's an issue in places that have strong re- regulations on gun, like uh, in, in the Japan UK, Japan, exactly, where it is actually difficult to get a gun um, legally or illegally. It's still like uh, a difficult process or china you know like uh they have yeah. a lot of issues with like uh people attacking people with knives and stuff because guns are so difficult to get access to but if yeah. all of them, you know you could do it does that open up that whole that whole realm yeah. although i still think the guns are away than people want to realize that they are because they're still going to blow up in your hand <laughs> like yeah, totally, totally, totally. And also, but these guys, I really didn't design them really well in the beginning, which I think is it's good for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, yeah. And I, one other thing that's a really specific 3D printing problem, like this is an outcome. All these other outcomes, I think we could get with other technologies, except for maybe the total uh, total enhancement of your face kind of stuff, right? Uh, which I think you need our technology for. We can do that with CNC, I guess, to a certain extent. But I think as a unique thing for 3D printing, I think I think would be this this well, one thing I'm really terrified about is this, is not being able to find an attribution for things, right? So if you're on like a platform like a Reddit or an Imgur or something like that, you'll see a lot of stuff being done. And sometimes the guy on the platform or the lady on the platform, she gets points for that. She gets imaginary uh, internet points for, for, for posting that thing on Reddit. Often right. that person didn't make it. And it might have come off of somebody else that made it. And then originally ah. kind of like remixed it. And then that, they got that source material from like, I don't know, a cartoon or something, you know? Right. And I'm just wondering 
if we start to do this, if we start to make more and more sophisticated 3D printing things, right now, just, now, right now it's really easy. Bob made a file, and he, he puts it on Thingiverse, and he shares it, right? But if we start to get more complex things that are really more and more useful and more economically more viable, I'm worried that we won't be able now. I can recognize some things by certain people, but there will be like some guy or Sarah somewhere, Sarah in Sri Lanka will be making the innovation and she'll never get any credit for it. I think you, know, you can already see that on to... things like Thingiverse, though, like where, where there are things, projects that people make and they just put it out there and then it results in people yeah. using an element of that to then make a new yeah. item. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, there. I know there are there are copyright uh, rules on things like Thingiverse and other sites that say, like, this is free to use, this is free to use non-commercially, and so forth and so on. Yeah. I think you're right that it's uh, it could easily be adapted that someone comes up with some new great yeah. thing, it's a great product, and then yeah. other people just basically rip it off um, because yeah. it's so easy to just transfer the file. Yeah, exactly. I'm worried that as we go even further, that you don't even like in fashion. There's also no copyright in fashion, right? But it works because there's like these people that talk about fashion law. They're like, oh no, uh, Mary, she's the real innovator, you know? Right. Uh, but if that, if, if our if our industry becomes too opaque for that to happen, then we can't even reward them in any kind of indirect way, you know? Right. They don't even get credit. And on some level, that's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or fame, or they don't even get a magazine article, or, you know, nothing. And I really worry what that'll do to invention and inventors and stuff. Means I mean, have... <laughs> you... what were you going to say? Would you make less stuff? Would you make less stuff if you would never get credit for it, you know? Well, I think it comes down to why you're making the stuff. If you're making the stuff for the betterment of humanity, I think you just keep making the stuff. If you're making the stuff to get rich, then I think you're more protective over the stuff that you make, and you're less willing yeah. to share on some level. I don't know either, but that's just a specific worry I have. I think it's a valid concern. Thanks everyone for joining us on the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed. Um, we both enjoyed having this discussion, also going over Formex. And please uh, subscribe and like and share the podcast uh, to others so that more people can be aware of the fun that we're having. And if you have any questions or comments, please uh, let us know. You've been listening to the 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint.com.